Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. This week, Madhu and I discuss the second annual Skift Aviation Forum, where airline executives were, at best, cautiously optimistic about their recovery. Boeing still has some big issues to work out, and staffing challenges may limit the U.S. recovery in 2022. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Madhu, how are you doing today? Good, Ned. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm glad that we got the Skift Aviation Forum behind us. We had had a great event, a good lineup. American Airlines CEO Doug Parker, uh, Stephen Udvarhazy from Air Lease, United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby, uh, Peter Elvers from KLM. It was a good day. Absolutely. And for those of you who subscribe to Airline Weekly and have you registered for the conference, the sessions will be available on demand um, shortly. And we'll, we'll we'll drop a link in the uh, in the podcast write up when we post this. For sure. So one of the big takeaways that I took from the conference is as as good as things are in the recovery, there is still a lot of caution uh, still uh, to, to you know, travelers coming back. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in your session with uh, Peter Elbers from KLM, he, he said that uh, we're coming back slowly, slowly. It was his quote. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and he, he continues to classify it as a bumpy recovery. You know, and, and I mean, for good reason, if we look to Europe, you know, COVID-19 infection cases are rising again. Right. They're starting to rise again here in the U.S. So, you know, like like we've said many times, the the, the virus is a very um, worthy adversary of, 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 you know, for business and airlines across the board. So it's uh, we're not out of this. No, absolutely. Not. I mean, we we. You know, the vaccines are a very powerful tool, but uh, getting them in people's arms has proved challenging in lots of parts of the world. And um, and as you said, the virus is a worthy adversary. I mean, this we we kind of know by now, like almost two years into it, that the recovery for the airline industry will not be linear. Absolutely. And I don't think we ever thought that it would or anyone thinks it will be. But, you know, when you get the the rundown of, of your... <laughs> Again, you know, very optimistic outlooks for summer 2022, some airlines coming back to full capacity in Europe. And the U.S. will be back to essentially 2019 capacity, though, you know, European carrier is a bit behind. It's it starts to feel like we're over the hill on this, though. It, it may not be as far. You know, we might be cresting. It might be a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, so everyone, every airline CEO who spoke yesterday you know, urged caution that the path path will not be linear, but also was really optimistic about uh, about 2022. They were. They were. You know, it's you know, they expect bumps, but yeah, they're going to be back. I think one of the things that people are really looking forward to, of course, is strong transatlantic next summer. United CEO Scott Kirby said they expect they, their transatlantic business bookings are actually better than their domestic business bookings at the business uh, travel bookings, not business class. And you know, Kale and Peter Elvers said they're you're expecting a very strong uh, transatlantic business, and even uh, you, Tummer, I'm going to break. Swiss Chief Commercial Officer, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher his name, and I'm very <laughs> sorry. Well, we'll get that name for you. He said that you know they are similarly seeing strong leisure demand and even premium leisure demand across the country. Though there are a lot of areas that have yet to come back. Asia remains a big question mark for everybody. So it's right. It's and and as we know, I mean, every carrier to, 
<laughs> excuse this turn of phrase, every carrier got a shot in the arm on November 8th when uh, the U.S. lifted its travel restrictions for vaccinated passengers. So that that prov- proved a huge um, sort of surge in bookings across the Atlantic from Brazil, all sorts of places. But I guess the question I have is whether that was just a temporary blip or whether it really will be lasting. I mean, there was a lot of pent-up demand to travel on November 8th. I mean, Elber said that KLM's flights were 97% full. I think we're hearing similar things from other carriers. Virgin Atlantic said they had like, what, a 600% in, um, surge in bookings or something. But but is that sustainable? How is that going to play out in the context of this ever-evolving virus, this changing pandemic. And I mean, there's so many questions. There are more questions for me than there are answers, but uh, it was good to hear the optimism. Absolutely. You know, it reminded me of the ad at AGM last month, uh, where similarly, like the optimism is sort of palpable in the rooms, you know, even if, if we don't believe it's going to be as as rosy as people make it out to be, it's still good to hear it. And the, the industry is coming back strong from, from this crisis. Absolutely. And so um, so we'll see. Now, the big question mark, of course, as you mentioned earlier, was uh, business demand. I mean, the the airlines still no no one really knows. I mean, Doug Parker from American said was pretty cautious. You know, he's not as pessimistic as some who say that 25 percent of business travel is gone forever. But he's also not on the side of others who say that it's going to be even stronger than it was in 2019. But he 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 was sort of couched his answer very very, uh, very cautiously, but uh, cautiously optimistic, I should say. But right. that because he, he he did say it's going to come back. He just declined. He said, "I don't know when." Right. Which could be next year. It could be ten years, like uh, Gary Kelly at Southwest Airlines. Said, <laughs> you know, so he was definitely cautious. And he, he and Parker also said, uh, you know, the business demand is changing. Right. I mean, there's the digital nomads who travel at different times of the week. You, you know, he said that. The American always used to have the certainty of uh, they'd look at their bookings and their and um, see that people who traveled on Sunday and returned home on Thursday were most likely business travelers. And now that equation's come in completely scrambled because people are traveling for business whenever. And and it may not be business in the traditional sense. It may be people who are working remotely and going from Bo- you know relocating from Boise to Nashville for a month or something. You know, so it's 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 all there's so many to quote Donald Rumsfeld. There's so many known unknowns <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I remember Parker saying, yeah, I think, you know, their business, you know, business is flattened out across the week, which is good in a sense. But yet at the same time, it's really hard to predict what it looks like. You know, it's it's going to be fun to watch uh, how networks change as we come out of this. You know, Alaska Airlines, we've written about, has already added a bunch of flights from Boise, which is a city that has been widely touted as gaining a lot of Californians, uh, people from the Pacific Northwest during this crisis. You know, Alaska wasn't at the conference, but it's going to be interesting. This is going to be a multi-year thing. You know, how many of, of you know, do these smaller cities permanently gain air service that they didn't have before? Or it, like like we've said, is it just a blip? Is it something that's going to, going to be tried and then dropped in, in a couple months? But no one knows. No one knows. <laughs> more, <laughs> no, I, there, there are more known unknowns than we would like. Yes. And I think that was one of the takeaways from from the bumpy recovery portion of this of the conference we had yesterday or the theme that sort of emerged from it is that. It's a bumpy recovery, and there's a lot of things no one knows. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break, uh, and then we'll talk more about the conference. Welcome back, Madhu. Uh, 
Then we're going to keep talking about the Skift Aviation Forum that we held this week. You know, another thing that came up with a lot of the speakers was fleet and fleet changes. And you got the chance to talk to ALC Executive Chairman Stephen Udvarhazi. Yeah, um, so he had a lot to say, as usual, about uh, about fleet and the, the two airframers. Now, one of the more interesting thing answers I got from him, and some of this was wasn't actually broadcast during the conference because we were talking in the green room was um, was you know when he started the air the operating lease industry back in the early seventies um, there were as he put it you know about a dozen airframers you know think of McDonnell Douglas uh, Lockheed Convair I mean there there were a lot of airframers airlines had more choice when it came to um, to buying aircraft. And now we essentially have two for anything larger than a regional jet. And he, he you know, um, he said this could be a problem. I mean, with uh, Airbus has ambitious tar uh, production targets for its A320neo family. And um, he's not sure, despite CEO Guillaume Ferry's, um, Ferry's um, assurances to the contrary, Udvarhazi is not sure the supply chain can um, can ramp up fast enough to meet those those targets. So that's one thing. And then on the Boeing side of the house, I mean, <laughs> that that's just we all know what's going on with Boeing. Udvarhazi had a lot to say about Boeing. That's right. I mean, it struck me that they they ALC has lost five hundred million dollars on the Max and the seven eight seven issues alone. It was, yes. was that yeah. Well, I mean, it's that's... a seven eight seven. I think that they've lost five hundred million dollars. Because okay, I mean, there's a 787, you know, it's it's not grounded, but there are no planes being delivered due to production and other issues that, that the FAA has found. And Boeing is awaiting some, you know, approval from, from the regulators to, to resume deliveries. But, of course, I mean, that's their marquee wide-body jet at the moment, you know, especially with the 777X delays. So that's, yeah. that's, you know, big for them. And then, of course, the MAX continues to ramp up. It's funny, we're talking about Airbus delivering... What, how much is it going to be up to? Over 60 aircraft a yeah, month? Yeah, so they're they're aiming and for 65 aircraft a month for just the A320 by uh, 2023. That's crazy. And yet Boeing's not even at, what, 30 maxes a month yet? Or or they're at 30. I mean, it's it's still, it's a dramatically lower number. So you know, we've got, yeah, Boeing's got a lot of things they need to, to get, you know, get done. And then, of course, the global supply chain issues are only contributing to them. So it's, uh, it's, it's dramatic. Yeah, and Udvar Hazi actually said uh, to speak about the 787. I mean, the ALC canceled three of its 787 orders, and these were planes he said that were built a year ago and were just wow. sitting on the lot, unable to be delivered. So ALC walked away. Now he, you know, that that is a problem for the lesser, of course, but it's also a big problem for the airlines that are doing their forward fleet planning and and planning to. Um, you know, ch change up their networks and and add more capacity and retire older aircraft. So, um, Boeing's got a big problem problem on its hands, and that's not the end of it. Now we asked no. <laughs> we asked about the new mid market airplane, the the sort of unicorn, <laughs> right? The plane that, of course, you know every airline wants, but Airbus is walking away with with their A three twenty one Neo at this point. So, yeah, what did Hazi have to say about that? Well, he said Boeing's in a really tricky spot, right? The, the, as you mentioned, Airbus is walking away with the sort of mid-market. Um, Boeing has no replacement for its 757, and it needs to, do, to start a clean sheet design, is what he said. However, the company's hamstrung because engine technology, by the time it develops a new clean sheet design uh, mid-market airplane, engine technology will have moved on. So Boeing could be building something that's obsolete, 
by the time it rolls off the production line. Uh, so it's a it's a tough spot for them to be in. An extremely tough spot. Um, it almost reminds me of of the the eighties when the seven five seven and seven six seven came out, and and you know Airbus had the A three hundred, I guess, but you know nothing really to compete in that mid market segment, and that really was Boeing's domain from the eighties and nineties until the three twenty one became a popular well, aircraft. Also, remember there back then there was also McDonnell Douglas. This is right, but they the didn't Boeing. have a competition. They didn't have a plane that competed with the seven five seven. They had their MD eighty family. That's true on the low end, but that was a seven three seven competitor. So it's uh, it seems like that might be just a segment Boeing's going to have to seed for the coming decade until technology catches up. Because you're right, it doesn't want to develop a pl- spend billions of dollars developing a new plane only to have it obsolete the day it rolls off the line. Right, and and Hazi called that a you know fifteen to twenty billion dollar question that no one knows the answer to. So yeah, it's big. <laughs> Big dollars there. You know, so lots of issues of, there at Boeing. <laughs> oh, yeah. But speaking of new planes, one thing I did, uh, did jumped out at me from Hazi's comments was, you know, ALC picked up uh, some seven of Airbus A350 freighters. It was the launch customer in Dubai this week. And he mentioned that Boeing actually uh, pitched the 777X freighter that, that we know that they're considering to ALC uh, with deliveries from 2028. So it was interesting, and ALC ultimately did not go with it, and not surprising, Boeing has its 777X issues, but that's kind of the most detail we've gotten on the 777X freighter to date. You know, Austria, John Ostra at the Air Current has reported from sources that Boeing was looking at that late decade uh, entry into service, but you know, now we've got it on the record from Hazi saying 2028, give or take. But I wouldn't count them out from a 777X freighter in the future, considering how you know, they've got a strong, there's such a strong 777 freighter installed, install, installed very base. strong installed <laughs> base of 777 freighters out there. You know, those operators down the line are going to be probably thinking, well, do we want to flip to an A350 freighter or, you know, upgrade to a 777X freighter? And that could be a 2030 question at that point, because freighters tend to be the end of the line life from models right. elsewhere. So, you know, I wouldn't call a 777X freighter out at this point, but Boeing has the market and I think they're sitting fine to wait a couple of years before making a decision considering they have a good lineup. But that was, Absolutely. those are some interesting comments from Hobby. You know, that they were, but let's pause for a second and talk about the A350F really quick. Okay, let's so talk. Both of us have covered a lot of aircraft launches over the past 20 years and, um, and the A350, so Airbus launched a new aircraft, the A350F. And the way we found out about it was buried in a press release um, from Air Lease Corp and from Airbus. So, you know, uh, both companies put out releases from the Dubai Air Show um, for Air Lease Corp's uh, 111 aircraft Airbus, or 111 Airbus aircraft order. And sort of in the second or third line, it, it, it was mentioned that. ALC was buying seven A350Fs, which is interesting. I mean, Guillaume Fowry had said, had hinted that the, you know, had said the company was starting R&D on an A350F over the summer, but usually aircraft launches are champagne and light shows and, and you know, the chalet in Dubai, Dubai would have had like, you know, confetti and whatever. And this <laughs> was kind of anticlimactic. It was very anticlimactic. You know, I wish I'd been there in Dubai to see how how they how Airbus, you know, what they said when they when people were in the chalet talking about that order. But it was interesting because it is it's you think Airbus would want to put more yeah pomp and circumstance to 
their their latest new model, even though it is just a derivative of the A three fifty. I wonder what they're thinking along those lines. Why make it such a, a low key event? Yeah, it was it was odd. I mean, you, and usually a new a new aircraft type, even a freighter, would merit its own press release. And no, this was just tucked into uh, a larger release about ALC's order. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what comes. You know, they've only got seven orders for it. So there's, right. there's only, you know, <laughs> they've got a lot of ways to go. And from what I can tell, it doesn't look like the specs are fully finalized on it. No, they did not. give you, um, you know, MTAU and range, but there's still, like you said, more more specs to, to come out. So And no entry I, into service date. Right. So we don't know if this is coming 2024 or 2028, like the 777X freighter was pitched. So. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Well, going to the the final thing, you know, another interesting topic that we we took out of the the aviation forum was hiring and pilots, uh, especially in the U.S. You know, we there's of course long been talk about a regional pilot shortage in the U.S. You look at charts, there's more uh, more retirements as people hit 65 than there are people coming into this industry. The 1500 hour rule that was implemented after the Colgan Air crash in 2009 has also limited the supply. You know, so this has long been an issue. During the pandemic, we had uh, pilots left the major carriers and regional suddenly found they could hire all they wanted, though, of course, they weren't hiring tons. Well, things have come back to bite them in the ass, for lack of a better word. <laughs> are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So what, what did you hear that? I mean, because you you were listening. You had an ear to the ground on this during the forum yesterday. I did. So United CEO was asked point blank by by Brian Summers whether whether the nine smaller cities that the airline has exited recently was related to pilots. And he said, absolutely. This is a pilot staffing issue. And, and he acknowledged United and other airlines are actively hiring up all the pilots that they can get to make sure their mainline operations uh, run smoothly. And that's to address some of the, the operational snafus we've seen at Southwest and American recently but also just to, to fill their ranks because they plan to be flying full schedules next year. And so the, a lot of those pilots have been coming from regionals. That is their natural uh, you know, sourcing ground for new pilots. But that has created huge problems at, at affiliates like Air Wisconsin, uh, Commuter, you know, all these, these small carriers, especially ones that operate 50-seaters. And what we saw is United exit these nine smaller cities. Right. American Airlines is offering incentives up to one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. That's crazy. Hire and retain pilots. It's not to be clear. You do not get all of that on day one. That is like there's a sign-on bonus of twenty, thirty thousand, and then more bonuses over if you stay with the regional and you upgrade to pilot over the next five years. But those are crazy money considering. And I, I did the math. You know, at GoJet, the if a pilot's hired and is flying the starting wage, uh, first officer, they earn like $37,000 a year. This is assuming they fly the minimum number of hours. I mean, it can go up from there. And they're looking at signing bonuses of thirty dollars to $40,000. That That's is a crazy. year's pay in just a signing bonus. It's right. crazy. Now, Doug Parker, the CEO of American, had a slightly different take, and, and it, but it, it meshes with what you were hearing from the United side. And that that's, uh, you know, he said the main line has had no problems hiring pilots, but this is just there. They say, you know, he said their vendors or their regional affiliates have, and it's just it's uh, it's uh, interesting time. I mean, uh, 
there were, and I think you mentioned this in a story you wrote today, Dad, is that there, you know, early in the pandemic, there was kind of a surplus of, of pilots as airlines around the world laid pilots off or downsized. And that surplus is now gone. Right. That surplus is gone. You, uh, Oliver Wyman in a report earlier this year estimated that U.S. carriers could see, uh, you know, see a need for, I want to say, almost 10,000 pilots in 2022 after having uh, surplus pilots to hire in 2020 and 2021. You know, of course, those numbers are an estimate and a forecast, and it probably won't be as, as bad as they, they put. But we are seriously seeing a crunch on small regional providers because if you are need pilots to fly your system, where do you want them to be? You want them to be flying your most, you know, most efficient uh, route planes that can carry the most passengers. And for regional, those are in the U.S., those are 76-seat re regional jets. Those are not 50-seat, your, your 50-seat CRJ-200s or ERJ-145s. And that's going to come down and, and hurt small communities. Like we said, not United has exited nine small cities, none where they were the exclusive operators. So they, all the cities still have air service. But that's a little less competition in, in small cities that already you know, ha don't have much competition to begin with. And this could just continue. Uh, on a broader scale, Helene Becker at Cowan & Co. Uh, wrote she sees staffing, including pilots, as a, a gating factor, quote unquote, to capacity recovery in oh. 2022. She thinks some of the forecasts by airlines out there, and that's you know United back to full capacity, American near full capacity, might be too optimistic and could be rolled back. Yeah, and that, that's a broader theme across the economy, right? I mean, we're, we're talking about pilots now, but air, airlines have to, to, to staff up again with their gate agents and, and airport employees and ramp, agent, ramp workers. And a lot of those jobs are entry level and airlines are competing against, like, and we've said this before, airlines are competing against the likes of Amazon and Target and, and a whole bunch of other companies that are also scrambling for a for a real in a really tight labor market. So I think Helene's exactly right. I mean, we, we, we focus on pilots and flight attendants, but there's, there's a lot more that goes into adding capacity than just those two work groups. Absolutely. And we've seen that in the recent operational snap news, a spirit airlines in August. I mean, that was because of, of, you know, lack of uh, baggage handlers in Fort Lauderdale and in some other ground staff, those are entry level positions. Those aren't highly trained flight attendants and pilots. And so, these really will be some gating factors as we look to 2022. And it's 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 going to be interesting, you know, because airlines don't want these big operational meltdowns. They make terrible headlines. They want to avoid yeah. them. Yeah. And and they, the customers. they don't earn, earn any customer goodwill either, especially as the holidays approach. For sure. And for the record, both uh, Doug Parker at American and Scott Kirby United uh, insisted that they will not have any issues this holiday season. You know, they have. Uh, staffed up they have incentives in place to keep people to encourage people to work you know knock on wood everything goes smoothly we all know you can best lay plans can be you know led astray very easily by weather or whatnot, one snowstorm <laughs> just one snowstorm one snowstorm in chicago and, yep. and things ripple out but uh you know they're saying they're they're ready for the holidays so we shall see yeah absolutely well, thank you, Madhu. It's it's been a pleasure. Uh, great forum this week, and you, know, you can yep. and thank you, listeners, for listening. If you have any comments, please reach out to Madhu at mu at skip.com or to myself at er at skip.com. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge Podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. 
course, check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. 